Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard the TV Pilot's License Flight Number 14 with service to Minneapolis, Minnesota. We ask that you please fasten your headphones at this time, secure your podcasting device, and remember, for today's special in-flight Thanksgiving meal, we will have a variety of snacks, including jelly beans, pretzel sticks, popcorn, and ice cream sundaes, all prepared by a bird and a dog that definitely did not wash their wings or paws. Welcome to the TV Pilots License Thanksgiving Special. My name is Jeff Purvis. Joined by Rich Inman and Max Singer. How are you boys doing today on this happiest of Thanksgivings? I'm doing great. I am super excited to get into a Thanksgiving classic. I think this is like... I have to imagine that this episode of Peanuts or however you want to call it, episode movie, uh, inspired the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade uh, more than a lot of other things, except for, you know, capitalism. But uh, yeah, super excited to, to talk about this. Yeah, I would say Snoopy is the number two icon of that parade uh, since they got rid of the Ask Jeeves float. Oh, see, I was going to say Santa, but that makes sense too in that tracks. Um, so is Ask Jeeves, Snoopy, then Santa? <laughs> All, all three are people that you ask for things. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, welcome to the podcast, everyone. Um, for Thanksgiving, we decided to do something a little bit different and do the Charlie Brown Thanksgiving episode that premiered November 20th of 1973. It is not technically a pilot, but it is in the sense that it is the first and only episode I can think of of Charlie Brown that talks about Thanksgiving. Um, if we want a good connection to a pilot, Snoopy is the Red Baron. Oh, see, that's a that's a key. You're welcome. Key fact right there, Max. For those who might be joining us uh, and joining our Thanksgiving table, can you tell them a little bit about our podcast? Absolutely, Jeff. Uh, well, this is your first flight with us. Welcome aboard. This is going to be nothing like we've ever done before. Uh, <laughs> here at TV Pilots License, we analyze the pilot episodes of some of TV's most famous or infamous uh, shows throughout history. We figure out what made them successful, how they got greenlit, if they can be made today, and if they're effective pilots and making us wanting to tune in and watch more. We've got a whole bunch of great episodes streaming wherever you get your podcasts from. So go back, take a listen, subscribe, leave a review, and we hope you enjoy today's flight. Welcome aboard. And Rich, you always have a great question for us. What's your question of the week? Yeah, uh, I think I got a nice little poignant one. Guys, what are you thankful for this year? <laughs> I, uh, I'm really thankful for that voice. No, um, and... <laughs> In all seriousness, um, this has been a big year for my wife and I and our dog. Uh, we moved to an entirely different state. Your uh, dog got a promotion. Yeah, my dog really is bankrolling us as a whole. But in all seriousness, um, there's been a lot of great change of being able to discover living in a new state, discover being homeowners, and finding new things that I enjoy, such as doing this podcast. So... I'm thankful for a lot of things, including the friendship that I have with you two, my wife, my family, and yeah, just in a super thankful mood this year. Yeah, it's been a heck of a year for me. Uh, you guys were both at my wedding this spring, uh, so I, I'm thankful to have gotten married, to been able to celebrate, and have had a wonderful day there. Uh, I am thankful and appreciative to be returning back to live theater and live comedy in a big yeah. way this year after hey. the past 
uh, pandemic years, just seeing venues reopening, live stage shows really returning in full force, uh, getting to do live shows with Rich for our sketch comedy has been something really, really neat after being remote from each other for two plus years. And yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd be remiss to not say that I'm thankful for this podcast and what we've been doing over the last two-ish months and looking forward to the future. It's Rich, crazy. what about you? Uh, well, first, I'm thankful for both of you guys, uh, for Jeff for coming to us with this idea for this podcast. Um, I'm thankful uh, that I got to move back to LA and uh, be back with my best buddy max and also uh you know a bunch of our other friends here we have a friggin' house which is insane um you know things are going exceptionally well at work uh my heart is just very full and uh i'm especially thankful for everyone who actually tunes in and listens every week uh almost everyone who has has reached out to me at some point which has been extra nice and i'm thankful for all those rich juicy sponsors uh the, the last three minutes are really gross someone talk about like butts or baseball or something <laughs> all right uh... <laughs> um well rich i i do really want to thank you for that would you say you're thankful about it i i am very thankful <laughs> for that um let's talk a little bit about the episode or the show that we're going to be discussing um Today we're going to be discussing uh, Charlie Brown Thanksgiving. Um, and before I pass it off to Max, even though he's wearing the most amazing hat in the world, let's talk about the synopsis. Um, Peppermint Patty invites herself and her friends over to Charlie Brown's for Thanksgiving. And with Linus, Scoopy, Snoopy, and Scoopy. Woodstock, <laughs> Scoopy, uh, Snoopy and Woodstock, he attempts to throw together a Thanksgiving dinner. Um, Max... Can you tell us a little bit more about what went into this? Absolutely. So uh, this is a Charlie Brown Thanksgiving, which, as Jeff mentioned, premiered on November 20th, 1973. And we're going to be talking about a trio of people today whose names you might not be familiar with, but you definitely know their work. They are legends in the animation world. Uh, you're definitely going to recognize their accomplishments. These gentlemen are Lee Mendelssohn. Bill Melendez, and Phil Roman. Uh, so these three together worked for 40-plus Peanuts specials. This was the driving team that Charles Schultz put together who handled everything Peanuts animated related for decades. Uh, Lee Mendelson was a documentary filmmaker and Peabody Award winner for his documentary on the 1915 San Francisco World's Fair called Innocent Fair. Uh, he followed up with another SF-based documentary in 1963 based on uh, Hall of Fame baseball player Willie Mays. Hmm. And from there, he really wanted to work with Charles Schultz specifically on something related to his Peanuts comic strips. Uh, the joke from Mendelssohn himself was that he had just done a documentary on the world's best baseball player. Now he should do the world's worst baseball player, Charlie Brown. <laughs> <laughs> That's really good. So, so while he's in communication with Schultz, Mendelssohn gets contacted by the Coca-Cola company asking if he's interested in producing a Christmas special that they can sponsor. Uh, they were really impressed with Willie Mays documentary and they want him to do something for them. So he reaches out to Charles Schultz, lets him know about this project and wants to see if he's interested in doing something using the Peanuts characters for Coca-Cola. Uh, together, this is going to become a Charlie Brown Christmas, which is their first special in 1965. 
Uh, that's going to go on to win an Emmy and a Peabody Award and be the first of over 40 projects they do together. Uh, Bill Melendez is an animator and director who worked for Disney on films like Pinocchio, Fantasia, Dumbo, and Bambi. He's one of like the OG Disney feature animators dating back to the 1930s. Uh, he gets hired by Schultz personally to bring the comic strips to life. Uh, Schultz said that Melendez was like the first and only choice that he entrusted to these characters. And Melendez is going to end up basically co-directing and leading the animation on every single Peanut special all the way until 2006. Whoa. Uh, he is wow. also the voice of Snoopy in Woodstock in every single special he worked on. So he voices these characters for 40 years, and he does so by just speaking gibberish into a tape recorder, and then they speed it up to various speeds based on the scenes. Uh, Schultz was very insistent on these characters not speaking English, so you can credit Melendez to the iconic Snoopy voice that we know today, all those like, mass and things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, Phil Roman is a name that's going to make Rich really happy. Uh, he started off as an animator with Disney. He worked on films like Sleeping Beauty and then leaves to go work for a guy named Chuck Jones, who did all the Dr. Seuss stuff for MGM. So uh, Phil Roman was the lead animator on like Horton Hears a Who and How the Grinch Stole Christmas. He gets brought on by Melendez to work for his studio and he co-directs with him for years and years and years. However, more importantly... In the 1990s, he goes to work for 20th Century Fox, where he is the animation executive producer from 1992 to 1999 on The Simpsons. Yeah, uh, drink, drink, drink. <laughs> he's the lead animation executive producer on The Critic from 1994 to 1995, <laughs> as well as on King of the Hill from 1997 yeah, to amazing. 1999. Uh, so Phil Roman, uh, an icon for 50 plus years, uh, shows that I still love and watch today. Uh, side note, the two King of the Hill Thanksgiving episodes uh, are some of my favorites on TV. So go check them out if you're looking for something to do between now and the holiday itself. Well, thanks for that awesome rundown, Max. Um, there's definitely, it's one of the amazing things about Charlie Brown is I think we all sort of grew up with it, but like the expansive history of something that sort of started off as a comic strip to turn into a television series. And it, especially for me, um, now that I live in the Twin Cities, has an even bigger meaning. Like in all seriousness, Charles Scholl's childhood home is maybe a half a mile from where I live. I've passed oh, cool. it a multitude of times. If you're in downtown St. Paul, uh, or just any part of Minneapolis, you see Snoopy statues everywhere you go and like Woodstock statues as well. It's has such a gigantic meaning to the people here in Minnesota. Um, so it's really fun to be able to watch something like this back and see just, you know, how fun and lighthearted it is in comparison to some of the stuff we watch in all honesty. Plus and you eat is... peanuts all the time. I love peanuts. They're great. It's, it's also just crazy how this has had such an adoring impact in so many forms of media. You think like this special is going to be 50 years old next year. The Christmas one that people know so well is even older than that. But like in 2015, there was a new feature Charlie Brown movie that came out in theaters. And one of the kids from Stranger Things voiced Charlie Brown. Like there's been... Broadway musicals about Charlie Brown and off-Broadway plays that really use like loosely use Charlie Brown like that's a sketch. No, 
I mean, I guess as it does off Broadway. Are you talking about a specific sketch, Rich? Yeah. Are you? Uh, do, do you remember the one where they have they're doing like a Peanuts like Christmas thing on stage, and they have like Al Pacino playing uh, playing Snoopy or Linus or something like that? Oh, oh yes, yeah, so I know you're talking about. <laughs> um, you have the nightmare fuel of when Al Roker and the the Today Show crew all dressed as those horrific Peanuts characters not too long ago. I mean. It just has such an impact and legacy even to this day that's really, really outstanding and so impressive. Well, we've talked a lot about the legacy of the show. Let's just dive into it, shall we? Um, In case you are wanting to watch this, um, you can watch it on TV on Thanksgiving Day. Or if you have an Apple TV membership, you can uh, be able to watch this or rent it. Um, So if you're looking to watch along... Make sure you watch to, it every uh, single night before bed, like I do. Yeah, no, just get that little uh, little bit of dopamine that you need <laughs> in your system. It's, it's so soothing. I could do that. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the cold open. Um, what would a Charlie Brown special be, and what would Thanksgiving be without a football? Uh, and Lucy has a football in hand, telling Charlie Brown that you know it is Thanksgiving. Um, he can definitely, he's going to get the football. She's not going to pull it away. Um, the way that Charlie Brown speaks about his, how delicate he is and that he would break his back reminds mm-hmm. me of a senior citizen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the idea. This, this character was written by someone who was probably actively in his sixties at this point. <laughs> but the way that he speaks about himself and also speaks just aloud to himself, uh, while people are around does sort of remind me of someone who is much older than they are. Um, as we get reintroduced to, you know, these characters that we couldn't forget of Charlie Brown and Lucy, what were some of the thoughts y'all had? Uh, Charlie Brown is an elderly Jewish icon. He might as well be like, <laughs> he's Carl he's Reiner. He's, he's Billy Crystal. Um, it is such just like, this is something that's like so ingrained, I feel like, into all of our brains, like Charlie Brown whiffing and missing on the football. I, I love Lucy saying that the kicking of the football on Thanksgiving is the most important tradition in football, <laughs> which... <laughs> it is. It is. It's truly, uh, it is the most important. And, uh, you know, obviously, this always, this particular part of any Charlie Brown thing feels like a metaphor, so... Is there a Lucy in the football in your guys' lives? Because mine is probably following your dreams. Because if you follow your dreams, your people don't tell you that uh, you're going to be broke for a really long time. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) There's not one that I can think of in particular. um, But I will get back to you on that one. Mine is is tried to kick a football. (laughs) (laughs) One day you'll get it. Maybe, maybe this time you'll get it, Max. I wanted to play Pop Water as a kid so bad, and my mom told me I could only sign up if I learned to kick or punt, and uh, joke's on me, because I am bow-legged. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. And, and a wide left for Max Singer again, his <laughs> third missed field goal of the game. Uh, so uh, th- this has one of my favorite lines um, <laughs> of... She wouldn't try to trick me on a on a traditional holiday. Yeah, I I wanted to reasoning. (laughs) I wanted to talk about the concept of what is a traditional holiday, or what would we like to have in consideration for a traditional holiday? Um, (laughs) Because I I really want to have a better understanding of aligning my calendar to Charlie Brown's as a whole. 
Yeah, yeah, you shouldn't be able to get your ass pranked if the banks are closed. <laughs> as soon as this happens, or after this cold open, and we get introduced to the idea of um, this is the Thanksgiving special, we do get to then um, have another, like, I forgot how much almost like adult humor was in Charlie Brown. Um, it is, although this is a children's show in the traditional sense, there's a lot of stuff that they talk about that is what I like to call like Disney adult humor, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. Putting in something that we've gotten really used to in Pixar movies and such of saying like, oh yeah, that joke was for the adults. So like the joke of, oh, the Christmas decorations are already up, um, but it's not even Thanksgiving yet was something that I could not relate to more. It is one of my largest gripes as a, as a Jewish man. As a Jew? <laughs> as a Jewish man, just seeing, you know, I literally talked to someone and they were like, oh, I'm putting up my de- Christmas decorations tomorrow. Um, And this was back in October. And they were like, oh, yeah, I'm putting them up. And it was like right before Halloween. And I was like, mm-hmm. no, you're not. No, 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 no. You, you skipped Thanksgiving. And, like, I know there's not sexy decorations for Thanksgiving, but you skipped a major traditional holiday. I also yeah. like how, how lovely and, and quaint it is to be concerned about putting up Christmas decorations at a store, like, on Thanksgiving. Like, right now, I, I mean, uh, if you go to some place like a Home Goods or, or TJ Maxx or Target or something like that, They've had their Christmas stuff out. Like you can buy Christmas decorations starting in like late September. It uh, it is it is honestly on, what a blast from the past to actually be concerned about it. Like the day before the most crazy shopping day of the year. Yeah, I would say like I grew up in a household where the idea was, um, if my parents are listening, they'll appreciate this because it's stuck with me forever. Once Santa crosses the Macy's Day Parade, that's when Christmas started. Uh, at least in my household coming from two parents who worked in retail. I don't know what the rule is anymore. I don't know what the rule is. That's the rule. That's the rule. If you're working in retail. If you're working in retail, Christmas starts once you see Santa waving at you through the TV on NBC and Al Roker's announcing it. Hi, Uh, Jeff. Just remember, (laughs) you're not getting anything again this year. Oh, my God. But it, it is, while this is all happening and we talk about the earlier arrival, um, there are some interesting, like, conversations and almost, like, I don't want to say existentialism about what the holiday is about, but Sally and Linus coming in hot with, like, all of this history about the holiday as well. The fact that Sally has to write an essay on Miles Stanish and that whole like romance poem from this period is wild that's such a like heady topic for what i think is a six-year-old to have to write and i don't know what God, you're talking about max i i i know we're covering a g-rated show today but linus is a fucking dork i mean <laughs> this guy just spewed all this uh american history textbook ooh rah rah we're the only country in the world that has a a holiday to celebrate giving thanks. Shut up, you nerd. <laughs> I mean, this is kind of like, if we ever do like the pilot of like Rugrats or like, Doug or something like that, like some some uh, famous shows from when we were kids. Um, I mean, they always included stuff for adults. And, you know, uh, 
I think what made Peanuts so popular in the first place is that they tackled a lot of, like, adult conversation, or, like, but focused and, like, through the eyes of children. And I, mm-hmm. and I definitely think, because obviously, you know, kids have no buying power, kids have no, like, uh, ability to control, like, what goes on TV or anything like that. But if you include Damn something straight. for the parents. <laughs> Don't forget it. Controls. Keep it that way. Um, <laughs> uh, but it, it is... Like, Linus, I always thought of was such an interesting character because when Charles Schulz made Linus, you almost feel like the blanket was to allow people to remember he's a child, right? Like, mm-hmm. the the blanket was, oh, he's having these very mature thoughts about Thanksgiving. And, like, as you said, Max, we were the first country to make a holiday about thanks. Uh, but at the same time, he is absolutely mortified of Sally and like the concept that she thinks he's cute and all of these things and hiding under a blanket right next to someone, uh, which is something my dog does. Uh, but, you know. <laughs> Jeff, that, Jeff, that was so smart. I never thought about the blanket being like a like an infantilizing uh like reminder for like a subconscious reminder for everyone that like yeah despite this person talking like you know like a college age professor uh (laughs) this is an actual child that does carry a blanket around yeah linus gives very big like future pot smoking wearing a (laughs) a blazer with the patches on the elbows kind of energy yeah that's actually my real question of the week what uh what liberal arts college do we think linus teaches oh you're giving him way too much credit (laughs) linus is definitely the guy who works at a community college because (laughs) because tenure is way too hard at a liberal arts institution you also can't bring your blanket into into a lecture hall. That's that's school rules anywhere yeah. you go. Yeah. From here, from this conversation, we sort of learn a little bit about what Charlie Brown's family's plans are for they're going to go to their grandmother's um home to celebrate the holiday. That's what they do. But suddenly there is a scene or whatever we want to call it in an animated feature <laughs> that infuriated me so much um and we got to talk about Peppermint Patty, who is the main reason why there is even an issue in this episode, a reason why we are even having this episode of Charlie Brown. Oh, I thought you were going to say how damn close Chuck is sitting to the TV when this scene starts. (laughs) (laughs) Move back, idiot. (laughs) Look, this is when we're okay with a little bit of radiation. Yeah, no, the the TV that is the size of a small automobile... uh, (laughs) taking it in but peppermint patty calls basically exclaiming to charlie brown that hey my parents said it was okay for me to come over to your house for thanksgiving you did not invite me um i'm really looking forward to coming over because like i know you have a big crush on me uh and i have a big crush on you um first thing i'll say about peppermint patty is i wish i had the self-confidence of peppermint patty in my life the second thing about Peppermint Patty that I'll say is how dare she invite herself. She's a little psycho. She's Yeah, like, the, the audacity of this. Like, this is, I, I think, Max, if someone just called you at the beginning of, let's just say, sometime in late March, right before your wedding, and said, yeah, I'm so excited to be at your wedding. I cleared my schedule even though I was not invited, nor did I receive an invitation of any form, would you or would you not lose your damn mind? Uh, like hell you are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
uh, I, I do. I'm gonna put my therapist cap on for a moment since uh, Max has his turkey cap on currently. Uh, and and I want to say that uh, Peppermint Patty is a, a textbook case of uh, projection onto Charlie Brown, uh, putting a lot of uh, her own uh, romantic desires of Charlie Brown, which you can see almost immediately, like you know, five minutes afterwards in this episode. And uh, and I think she should really work on that. She everyone can benefit from th- uh, from therapy. Uh, this has been an ad for better help. And, you know, Charlie Brown doesn't do anything to help himself. He doesn't try to exclaim, hey, no, we're not doing this. Um, and mere moments later, not only is Peppermint Patty coming, but her sidekick Marcy is coming. And then their friend Franklin is also coming. Um, and in mere moments, Charlie Brown went to having one Thanksgiving dinner that he had to go to to having one that he has to prepare and the only things he can prepare are cereal and toast without butter on it. The visual of <laughs> Franklin, which how he got to Peppa Patty's house that quickly, I have no idea. <laughs> but the visual of him just standing there silently and occasionally turning and patting to the camera whenever Patty talks is so funny to me. This man does not speak at all. He just kind of turns and mean mugs the camera a little bit, which is delightful. I think they all live in like a don't worry darling type situation where they're all in the same cul-de-sac and live and live within 20 feet of one another oh yeah like the reference later to i came across town for this is just literally across the (laughs) (laughs) cul-de-sac so as charlie brown is contemplating the fact that he has three thanksgiving day guests that he was not preparing for um he starts having a conversation with linus about what to do how do they prepare and they come to the idea of well you'll have a early thanksgiving meal um with you know, these three uninvited guests, and then you'll go over to your grandmother's house. Um, The part that bothered me is I'm fine with Charlie Brown falling victim in this case of (laughs) being told that you're preparing Thanksgiving dinner, you're hosting all of these people. But then... We're all okay with absolutely nailing that schmuck. To just then tell your dog that had nothing to do with this uh, unfortunate series of events that you're preparing the Thanksgiving meal. <laughs> I because... also love that that Linus is like coming up with the absolute worst uh, uh, solution to this problem of all time, which is just like instead of talking to them about it, what if you made two dinners, Charlie Brown? How about that <laughs> well, one? Well, it's again, Charlie Brown does not take any responsibility for this. He he gets forced into preparing two full dinners because of Linus. His response to how he basically got tricked into hosting this <laughs> is that you can't explain anything to Peppermint Patty because you never get to say anything. <laughs> like, <laughs> schmuck got like, pranked. Yeah, like he invented, like, schmuck got pranked. This might be the OG example of, like, you know, oh, women be talking. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> I, I will say one of the notes that I have is this scenario for Charlie Brown, I believe every millennial with a low social battery can absolutely relate to of being a nightmare. Of asking your dog to solve the problem for you? Well, no, I was going to say people just inviting themselves over to oh. spend a traditional holiday with you when you just want to be alone and not do anything. I, I love that we are, our generation co-opted uh, Friendsgiving because we can't because we can't afford flights home. <laughs> 
Well, uh, if this country would invest in a rail system. Oh my God! Don't even get me started. No, no, no. We're, we're 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 no longer talking about peanuts. I'm talking. This has become a high speed rail. Speaking uh, from the two people in the city that needs the most efficient version of that possible. But I say that as someone who lives in LA and whose mom is about to move to Maine, like I'm not taking a train to Maine. <laughs> that sounds terrible. Uh, That's a boxcar. Like I'm not. Days you have to get off five times. <laughs> yeah, I'll fly. Thank you. Um, but I think one of the part, like the thing that made me the most nostalgic about this special was the Snoopy montage. Yeah. It, this the Snoopy montage with. Uh, Vince Guerlardi's, um music is just absolutely, you know, puts me into the mood of, like, this is Thanksgiving, right? Like, yeah. watching the, like, almost, I, I don't want to speak too romantically about this, but I'm going to. Watching Snoopy prepare toast in as efficient of a manner while buttering it all and getting the pretzels and the jelly beans and all this stuff. And preparing a table while also playing ping pong with Woodstock at the mm-hmm. same time. Mm-hmm. Literally just what a delightful little a physical montage. comedy icon, honestly. Have you guys watched a lot of children's animation the last few years? I have not. Because no. it is it is so overstimulating and mm. hyperactive. Like children's animation has really taken on this like hit you over the head it's really intense it's really in your face it's really loud mentality i think it's definitely a response to like youtube and Mm -hmm. tiktok and this is like really quick action so to see an animated special for children where they're just like a two and a half minute jazz interlude (laughs) where there's there's no dialogue it's just setting up tables and chairs and buttering toast and Yes, getting into a literal physical boxing match with a folding chair <laughs> is is so peaceful. And yeah. I was watching this be like, you would never just see like uh, a jazz breakdown in the middle of a of a cartoon anymore. It was just so it was so nice to watch. And I think that's what made everything uh, so. Uh, there's definitely like the air of uh, of influence from like Looney Tunes and stuff like that, which is like mm-hmm. you know more flashing colors and but like kind of comical violence kind of thing which is like snoopy fighting the chair um accidentally flattening woodstock and then having to reinflate him basically um well that's how birds work yeah 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 i'm i'm no ornithologist but i think you're right uh and i so this for me like really brought me back to when i used to watch this as a kid every thanksgiving um in the same you know i i feel like i Every single year, while I was when I was little, I would watch the it's uh, the Great Pumpkin for Halloween, Thanksgiving, and then the Christmas one all uh, nearly every year. So it became like pretty uh, like a household standard for me. But I mean, I literally picked up my dog to have him on my lap while I watched that because it really like I don't know. There's something just so peaceful and nice about it. And and you're right. I haven't seen any of the new. I don't know if you're referring to like something like Paw Patrol or um, or Coco Melon or whatever, but like the the um, I, I feel like the uh, the advancement of animation kind of ruined that sort of like like nice artsy feel to it. Now it has mm-hmm. to feel like more smooth and has to be sharper and like. I, there, I, I remember there is a uh, point in the, like, watching The Simpsons where they, from one season to the next, dramatically 
improved the quality of their animation and it kind of took something away from me because there was like it was less of a disconnect with the characters or i'm sorry more of a disconnect with the characters and yeah well talking about just soothing too i i'm just in love with all of the watercolor backgrounds mm-hmm. in this yeah. i i don't think i had really appreciated that watching it younger but there's just such beautiful like textured watercolor on the houses and the skies and the backgrounds and i guess with older hand-drawn animation too that probably explains why there's just sequences where franklin's just kind of standing there i can only turn his head one way because or they're just it, in they're, a grassy just, field like there's just there never just be too many things to have to animate at once for him to not actually have lines of dialogue but yeah, the color palette on this is so beautiful and the sound is so singular and there's there's really just like a look and feel to these that I think makes them so enduring 50 plus years later. Like you just, you want that feeling. It's it's like a big hug on you. Yeah. And Max, yeah. you actually wanted to talk about the uh, some of the items that were being prepared by Snoopy and Woodstock for <laughs> this Thanksgiving dinner, correct? Oh, I mean, we, we have to. This is an incredible spread. Uh, one that you would pay many dollars for in a restaurant. <laughs> yeah, uh, like five dollars. <laughs> but yeah, Snoopy starts prepping the feast. You've got uh, the iconic Linus and Lucy theme by Vince Guaraldi starting to play. And yeah, uh, as Jeff mentioned in the cold open up top, we've got uh, we've got buttered toast. With, a whole lot of it. There are so many toasters. Like I know that garage is a mess when Snoopy pulls the table out of there, but there's <laughs> no way that Charlie Brown's family has like 15 toasters. Yes, they do. In that Their family garage. loves toast. <laughs> so we got 15 toasters all working simultaneously. We've got stovetop popcorn. Because, uh, again, I, I guess the microwave just wasn't a common thing in people's homes in 1973. I forget about that. Uh, we've got pretzel sticks. We've got jelly beads, which I assume were left over from uh, Halloween. Uh, we've got all the major food groups at play here. Yeah, it, I do want to say we, uh, we've talked about The Simpsons. we got to talk about Disney for a little bit. I think Snoopy was the original Remy of Ratatouille. Just going to say oh, that. Wow. that. Just going to put that out there. Um, so Disney, I know that you tend to find, uh, properties that you enjoy and then make them your own. <laughs> I'm just going to call you out. Uh, I'll be hearing from your lawyers, uh, from there, though we, from there, we Well, famously, have... uh, Walt Disney poisoned his wife with a dish of, uh, of ratatouille. So Disney had to make the ratatouille, uh, just so they oh, could no. bury it in the search results. Oh, no. <laughs> Um, and don't get me started on Toy Story. <laughs> no, start. I, I, so after this beautiful montage of events, um, we see that Snoopy gets ready for Thanksgiving dinner by dressing as a pilgrim, um, which props... Complete with a musket! <laughs> yeah, fucking live ammo. Literal props. He grabs a gun. That's his problem. Also, the gall of Charlie Brown to be surprised that his own dog who prepared the meal is going to be at the Thanksgiving. Like, the astonishment of Charlie Brown when Snoopy just knocked on the door and he was like, oh, Snoopy. It's like... Yeah, there. I mean, yes, I know it's a boy and his dog, but we need to discuss the power dynamic between these two because... Snoopy's doing all of the work with none of the reward, and I don't think CB is fully appreciative of what he has in, in this best friend. <laughs> oh my god. Um, but after Snoopy arrives back to the house that he lives at, 
um, folks start arriving to dinner, um, including like Charlie Brown and Franklin. Uh, Charlie Brown daps up Franklin. I thought that was uh, that was pretty great. They had a very Every, different everyone embrace. else. Everyone else just walking past and like saying hello, and then him having like the whole like handshake with Franklin was very uh, interesting. <laughs> it was definitely it was definitely different. But like they sit down to this Thanksgiving meal. Snoopy is preparing a dish for every single person, um, like almost in this very rhythmic, soothing manner. Um, but then... I don't know, man. He's kind of just throwing jelly beads on that plate. It's a little slapdash. <laughs> I'm so sorry that it's not Michelin style for and you. He, and he's fucking slinging them with the with the confidence of like a like an elderly Irish bartender just like flinging beers down the line. I was going to say, this is some real like classic diner shit going on here. Yeah, I love it. Um, but as this happens and everyone has been served food, Peppermint Patty just, you know... I'm already upset with her. This but, bitch. Yeah, but this person just coming in and then <laughs> and then sit, having the gall to be like, we're gonna say grace, right? Like, not your home, homie. Like your your house, your rules. But I will say, Linus handled it much better than I would have. Yeah, uh, Peppermint Patty, uh, clearly a Christian evangelist who must be stopped. Uh, immediately wants to throw uh, wants to throw God in the whole mix. And, yeah, uh, and as we established 15 minutes ago, Charlie Brown, uh, canically Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, I, Peppermint Patty's a real real fucking piece of work in this one. And uh, yeah, I, a real precocious little kid. Like yeah. really, really precocious. Yeah, got a lot. Of, got a lot of work to go. I wonder what her home life is like. Oh yeah, no. It's... Considering her parents abandoned her. On yeah, Thanksgiving, her parents just said, "Oh yeah, we don't care what's happening with Thanksgiving." Like a Get little bit worried about Peppermint Patty. Give her a little bit of slack, but not as much as she probably needs to be forgiven by me. Um, but Linus does the nice thing of not making it like the most religious grace, which I appreciated, but yeah. like instead going back to this was almost an educational program of the original Thanksgiving and the original grace said at Thanksgiving, which like, you know, as a 30 plus year old man, I really appreciate it. Yeah. It wasn't like, you know, the historically most accurate version of it. It was still very much like the, uh, yeah, we were pretty good friends with native Americans. Uh, this is also for children. So uh, I'm going to give it some credit there. Yeah, you mentioned the educational children's show aspect, and I'm not sure if these rules were in effect in 1973, but there actually are FCC regulations on how much like educational material has to be presented in children's content mm. uh, just to make it not totally like brain numbing. There's rules on how much you can advertise in like a children's half hour special and I know, like, later on, this is why you're going to see a lot more, like, interactive kind of shows and the rise of, like, science shows and things, too. Uh, so that can be part of it. Also, just, like, still at this point, the 60s and 70s, we had a lot of, like, morality clauses on TV. So I'm sure this is, like, they're going to say grace. They're going to give you a little educational history, you know, the textbook version we all learned in elementary school. Uh, but I, I was wondering if they have to, like, break down the stories of certain, uh, like, TV regulatory rules. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. It, but it also, as we've discussed, very much fits Linus's character. Linus almost being like, 
hey, we put this character in for the FCC. Like, that. oh yeah, ca- counterpoint. He's still a fucking dork. <laughs> <laughs> but after Grace, after the meal has been served, Peppermint Patty just continues to be the worst and starts exclaiming, "There's no turkey. There's no mashed potatoes. There's no cranberry sauce." She is going over. You know, the classic Thanksgiving meal that she expected a child to prepare for her. Um, And then just like chaos sort of ensues in the lightest of manners, but in a way that I think almost feels very familiar to anyone who's had a large family Thanksgiving. Yeah, there's nothing uh, spookier than... uh... Than, than a nice, like, big family Thanksgiving and trying to make everyone happy. That's, uh, you know, something that Charlie Brown got talked into and really dumped uh, a ton of, he- uh, a ton of like, just vitriol on, on Snoopy, who did not deserve it. A dog made yeah, you popcorn. Again, That's a miracle. Uh, Charlie Brown really not taking responsibility for his actions, constantly uh, deferring blame onto other people around him. Yeah, and then as Charlie Brown stomps off, sort of, like, not knowing how to deal with the blame he's received, Peppermint Patty's like, oh, Marcy, you go and smooth things over. Uh, yeah. you, you got this. She's the worst. <laughs> She's no response. Like, we talk about Charlie Brown not taking responsibility. Neither does Peppermint Patty in this instance. In this case, she sends her quiet friend to say some very nice things. And they sort of soothe things over. But after this exclamation, Peppermint Patty does apologize right which is nice they we sort of do get the um we get in this case the ending of hey everything's soothed over all the problems that we had in this episode have been figured out um but there's one more phone call uh that happens in this process and it's um in regards to grandmother's house charlie brown does not need to be the one making this phone call listen if you were going to be at grandmother's house, your par- one of your parents' moms plays at 4.30 and it is currently 4 o'clock and you are not ready to head out. That does not fall on our boy CB. That is the parents' fault for lack of time management. They should have been on the road. They could have told the friends to get out of there. This is ridiculous. This is not Chuck's phone call to make. I will defend him on this one. <laughs> a Charlie Brown, a defense of Charlie Brown. It then turns into... Everyone gets to go oh, to Oh, that was their legal special, Rich. <laughs> dun, dun. The criminal justice system is represented by Charlie Brads and Lucy's. Yeah, it, it turns into everyone gets to go to grandmother's house, including Marcy, including Peppermint Patty, including Franklin. What's happening at their homes? We will never know. And we <laughs> will never know why they had this free time. We get one more small joke about how grandmother does not live in a house, but she lives in a condominium which got a major chuckle from me. But then the episode ends with another lovely montage. Uh, We find out that Snoopy can indeed cook more than just toast and jelly beans and pretzel sticks, but has made a full Thanksgiving turkey and what appears to be a pumpkin pie with whipped cream. How do we feel about a bird eating a bird? (laughs) (laughs) Look. I I am not gonna uh, I'm not gonna claim to know what type of bird uh, Woodstock is. However, I feel like birds do eat other birds at certain points. Vultures, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I, is Woodstock I, part vulture? It is just this, seemed like, it seemed so natural Brown? to Woodstock to just be eating thing eating turkey that. I have some questions. What species is Woodstock? What else do I need? What else does Woodstock eat? 
Is Snoopy you know, Jeff, on the table? That didn't even cross my mind. I was too distracted by how comically large the pumpkin pie was and how In much space the table it took up. <laughs> well, be, because at first, like, oh, they're just small. It's a normal size pie. Then I was like, hold on. This is the same table that everyone else was at. This is the full regulation size ping pong table with the tablecloth over it. And that pie is taking up a good 70% of the width of this table. That is a massive pumpkin pie. That's a Costco th- pumpkin pie right there. 100%. Um, but-, but yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, we, I definitely, we're, we're going to leave it up to the audience of whether, <laughs> write us in on uh, Instagram, Twitter, leave us a phone call. Uh, is Woodstock a cannibal? Let's find out. Once and for all. <laughs> yeah, uh, hashtag is Woodstock a cannibal on all things social media. <laughs> Get a oh, well, that, that's great well that's sort of the end of this episode it was one of the shortest things that we've ever watched it was only i think 25 minutes long yeah. with credits it was nice but what it's four minutes longer than 1600 pen um <laughs> 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 uh, what were some of the other things that you loved about this that you know maybe we didn't discuss oh you want that good jazz well, you gotta come to Charlie Brown, because Vince Guaraldi, I love so goddamn much, and he's just like, uh, hearing any, uh, I, I personally cannot stand, as, uh, as this podcast number one hater, uh, I cannot stand Christmas music, it is truly like nails on a chalkboard for me, but if I hear Linus and Lucy, if I hear the Vince Guaraldi, like, Charlie Brown, like, Christmas music and stuff like that, you know, mm-hmm. he plays, like, the little shaker that makes it sound like, uh, like, Snowfall or something like that, uh, I can't help but, like, love it and feel calm and, and relaxed. And also, uh, Vince Guaraldi is personally responsible for the reason I never uh, continued learning piano. And it was one of the most, this, uh, this particular use of Linus and Lucy uh drove me completely insane as an 11 year old because i hadn't hit puberty yet and i couldn't reach up an octave on the piano and so oh, i quit man. piano altogether so yeah going dark off memories. of that <laughs> I, I just think of pieces like linus and lucy uh ice skating from charlie brown christmas that jazz number as well that are just so reminiscent of like winter in general to me um there's like truly like a seasonality to this music he definitely creates a vibe uh, it's it's a shame that he passed away so young. We unfortunately yeah. did you we lost Garaldi at the age of forty seven to a heart attack. Uh, and you think how much more work he could have done in years to come. Uh, while doing research for this episode, I also found out that two of his professional nicknames were Doctor Funk and the <laughs> Italian Leprechaun. I first of all, he got he he got Doctor Funk. That's a that's a high that's a high priority uh, nickname. I would imagine yeah, a lot of yeah. people were gunning for Doctor Funk. It was bestowed upon Juan Vince Garaldi. and yeah, the Italian Leprechaun is is so funny. I think about when Eddie Vedder at the end of Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story, oh is listing God. off all of the nicknames the for drifter. Dewey Cox over the years. <laughs> the shapeshifter. The shapeshifter. <laughs> oh God, yeah, I I love I love that so much. I, I I would say anyone who made Linus and Lucy can actively call themselves Doctor Funk for for the rest of their uh, their known existence. Yeah, Jeff, is I, there anything that you loved in particular? I This is going to sound so corny. I loved the feeling that I got watching this. Like, this was maybe some of the most, the largest nostalgia I've gotten watching one of these episodes. Rich, you talked about how you watched it with your dog. My dog literally was sleeping on my lap as this was happening. And I was just like, can I teach you how to make popcorn? Like, would that be okay? Would I eat that popcorn? 
Um, but literally, it's just it's such a nice little morsel of television. And we talked about the animation. Uh, it's wonderful. There's something about hand-drawn that is you cannot compare it to some of the animation we're seeing today. Even, like, I, I love some of the movies that Disney is putting out right now and Pixar is putting out, but it's you can't compare it. The jazz is wild, right? Like, we've been, we've had a couple of shows that we've done recently. I'm thinking about The Love Boat, where, like, music makes such a difference in these shows. And if it's done and executed right, it entirely changes your feeling about what you're watching um, are you saying that are you saying that this show is in fact a vibe it, this show is this show is a vibe as the kids are saying these days um we talked a little bit about things we loved were there any additional wait a minute moments that were on your mind uh yeah for all the love we've given the music i gotta say that over the river and through the woods to grandmother's house we go does not slap it is not a bop uh that that song really sticks out like a sore thumb amongst all this beautiful jazz underscoring uh it it does not it's not it's not a bop max is trying to get us uh picked up by pitchfork podcast for from now on uh i would i would give me that sweet sweet condon ask money (laughs) yeah this is i would say uh for every other jazz number which was like a nine or higher this is like dropping down to a three a real a real uh sore spot for uh for charlie brown thanksgiving well, there you have it. I don't have any additional wait a minute moments, but I I can agree that of the music in this, it was probably one of the weakest uh, pieces. Well, before we get to Rich's game of the week and we talk a little bit about the legacy, we do have an in-flight question. Um, in case you're curious about how to get your question featured on the podcast, we are um, available on Instagram. You can DM us. You can also... Be on the lookout for our voicemail uh, number, which we will share at the end. But today's in-flight question comes to us from Instagram. Based on the Thanksgiving meal spread that Snoopy prepared, what snack food do you think needs to be a part of your next Thanksgiving meal? Mm. So I'm going to challenge you to grown men as adults who might be in charge of your Thanksgiving meal. What would you like to have added that could be prepared potentially by a child just by opening a bag? Reese's peanut butter cups. Put them, put them on the table. They're they're amazing. You have them left over from from Halloween. I know you do. Put them in the freezer. It's the best treat ever. Stop with the pumpkin pie. Stop with the other bullshit. It's Reese's <laughs> peanut butter cups. Are are there Reese's like turkeys that you can get? There's like Reese's like jack o' lanterns. <laughs> are, like, the, and the obviously there's like there's like the Reese's trees and Reese's Easter bites. Could you get like a Reese's turkey in the Thanksgiving window? I think or they just it... sort of skip from like. They're sort of like, okay, hey, we have a pumpkin. The pumpkin can be like Halloween and Thanksgiving. And then they just sort of skip to the random shapes that they call snowmen and Santa for well, Christmas. Because the, the, the goddamn pumpkin and the goddamn trees are selling simultaneously at Target in the middle of October. <laughs> um, what about you, Max? What what uh, item would you like to see added to your Thanksgiving spread. Oh man, so I I got a hot take, and it's it's that turkey sucks. Um, <laughs> it does. I'm, I'm glad it, we're addressing it here on the podcast. It it takes you so long to make for what the result of it is. Uh, there's like three good cuts in the entire bird, and they're massive. They're so expensive. 
So I want to encourage you to eliminate the turkey from your Thanksgiving dinner spread. Stop getting into fights with people at Trader Joe's and Whole Foods stores. Uh, instead, may I recommend, I don't know, a nice hearty chili. <laughs> Veal. <laughs> start start eating more ethically repugnant uh, foods at, at Thanksgiving. I don't know, man. Like, make... Make some short ribs. Make a make a chili. I, I don't care. Like I would the say sides, a giant brisket would be great for Thanksgiving. The sides are the best part of the current traditional Thanksgiving spread. Eliminate the bird and get something better as your centerpiece. Agreed. So I am a very large fan of making... I make a Christmas brisket every mm. single year. Um, Crisket. Yeah, Crisket. Um, but I will say that if I was to follow the Charlie Brown logic of things that I think a child could make... Um, oh right child yeah <laughs> um what what kids can't make short rib it's easy just brace uh, it yeah no yeah yeah it's, yeah, it's, it's at a low temperature it, you little shit. <laughs> um i would say in this instance slow and low you idiots charlie brown mentioned that he makes uh that he can make cereal i think chex mix might be an appropriate thing to have okay. at a thanksgiving meal it's savory it can be sweet if you really want it to be but yeah. like if someone was to put out one of those big old pre-prepared bags of Chex Mix, like, next to a stuffing, 100% mixing that in for some different ch- textures as a whole. Love it. Oh, man, yeah, like, you got an uncle who's just diving in on that crunchification, just absolutely <laughs> inhaling it. Yeah, the the one uncle who showed up stone and was just, like, absolutely just housing handfuls of it. He's going to be super pumped about it. Well... Thank you again for uh, the question. Uh, we got that on Instagram, but you know we're always thankful to be able to answer those things that are at the top of your mind. All right, Rich, it's your time to shine. All right, Rich we're going to give a Thanksgiving super quick game of the week. <laughs> game of the week. Yeah. All right, so according to the actual in-person uh, uh, records of the first Thanksgiving, uh, we, I have sent you both a list of foods that were at the thanksgiving except for one of them uh and i want you guys to figure it out and uh for everyone listening at home this list is swans carrier pigeons potatoes mussels deer cod bass fling which i believe is a type of fish (laughs) corn porridge and pumpkin and i would love to hear what you guys think was not at the actual first thanksgiving in 1642 is that when was the first thanksgiving who knows? This, this is uh, Lin- Linus. 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 Where are you? Linus. <laughs> I'm sorry for everything I said. <laughs> what now? What, what are you guys thinking? All right. So I have a lot of thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that Thanksgiving was mainly a fish-based event, uh, just based off of fish-based event. A fish-based <laughs> event. It was a seafood lover's dream. Um, <laughs> A fish-based event is uh, is how my dad met my mom. <laughs> I'm actually going to say that pumpkin, I don't think pumpkin, was at Thanksgiving. Um, what about you, Max? Oh, man. Um, so a lot of these I'm going to say were, because most of them were. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was a very safe bet. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go with... <laughs> I'm going to go with potato. Uh, for some reason, I, I just, I'm not sure if this was introduced to the new world at this point. I feel like this might have been like a later crop to come over. I've got no historical context for that. Uh, so I'm just going to say potatoes. You are correct, uh, Max. The uh, oh, the white potato well was done. not 
That is very, very well done. The white potato was not brought from South America yet, so there were no mashed potatoes at the very first Thanksgiving. But there uh, as was a follow up to fling. Yeah, as a follow up <laughs> to my last question, uh, get rid of the turkey and get a swad or get a fling. <laughs> or have squab. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a, uh, a Thanksgiving fling is what you're also looking at for at the bars the night before Thanksgiving in your hometown. Hey. Uh, well, Rich, thank you so much for that question. Max, congrats on getting that answer correct. Woohoo! Uh, let's talk a little bit about um, the Charlie Brown Thanksgiving special legacy. Uh, so after this was made, it actually won an Emmy Award. Congratulations to that team. Uh, but there well, were also... I'm positive are all still alive. <laughs> There were also three other holiday specials after the Charlie um, that were included with this uh, after Charlie Brown's Christmas, which was 1965. One of those very famously, uh, The Great Pumpkin. Um, In addition, so this aired on CBS November 20th, 1973. It then continued to air on CBS till 1989. Uh, Then it moved between the Disney Channel and Nickelodeon. Uh, You can still find it air every single year on thanksgiving that's like a big old deal but it's sort of hidden amongst the catalog of apple tv uh in the great streaming wars that we are currently in um it did you know one of the fun facts that i found is its best ratings ever this is wild was in 2016 um which is fairly recently but like it got a couple of million uh viewers on that day so yeah we all got really traumatized two weeks before that thanksgiving we needed some real comfort food that yeah. year who, who would have thought that we would all be reaching for something that reminds us of a better time for sure <laughs> um but yeah no that there's not much i i think that the legacy that it holds is what i said right it airs every single year since it's, 1973 it's i want you to it's, it's I want so you, important. yeah. I want uh, you I, to think of anything else that, in its original form, continues to air every single year. You're gonna have a hard time. It's perfect with. It's a perfect Thanksgiving tradition, and honestly, like Thanksgiving is inherently a pretty boring holiday. Like you're, everyone's just kind of sitting around waiting for dinner. Uh, there's so many good traditions that come with uh, with Thanksgiving. The Westminster Dog Show. Uh, Arlo Guthrie's Alice's Restaurant, the the Snoopy Thanksgiving, like it's honestly, it, it really is a NFL football. Of course, um, it's one of those things you can really count on for for a nice like family moment. Hundred percent. Well, that's our legacy. I don't want to ask if we think this could be made today. No, because but, Thanksgiving's in a week. Yeah, I. But I, what I do want to ask is. Would you consider making this a part of your Thanksgiving traditions and watching this every year around Thanksgiving time? Rich, we'll start with you. Have, can, and will. (laughs) Nice, simple, and sweet. (laughs) Max, what about yourself? Yeah, there are two must-views for me every Thanksgiving, and they are the National Kennel Club Dog Show hosted by John (laughs) O'Hurley and a Charlie Brown Thanksgiving. (laughs) <laughs> All right, so Max, I'm going to add on to that. There's one other thing that you have to watch, and it's Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, which is the only Thanksgiving movie uh, that I can really think about. Yes. I'm going to add on to that, too. Watch The Last Waltz. <laughs> yeah, another great one. Um, but I'm 100% adding this into my tradition. I, I think this is something that my family had us watch when we were kids, and I understand why. It is wonderful. I 
It's something that I hope everyone really participates in. If you did not watch this before you listen to this podcast, take 25 minutes of your day. Maybe you're brining the turkey and sitting at the stove and watch the Charlie Brown Thanksgiving special. With that, where can we find you, gentlemen? Rich, why don't you start us off? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram at Damn That's Rich. You can find Max and My Comedy on TikTok at Dadwagon Comedy. You can find me on the couch in front of the TV drinking mimosas yeah. and watching the National Dog Show. Uh, this is a big year. Uh, Claire, the Scottish Deerhound, will be going for her third consecutive best in show she's already the only dog to ever get back-to-back wins she's going for a three-peat she's truly the goat of dogs we're all rooting for you claire <laughs> the goat of uh, dogs. <laughs> uh, but you can also find me on all things social media at maxwell sing and on thanksgiving day you can find me destroying a charcuterie board where people are mm. looking at me a little bit strangely um or I like to make a coffee cake every Thanksgiving just to start off the like day that. with something a little bit warm. Um, yeah. So you can find me though on social media at run Jeff run on Instagram and Twitter. You can find the TV pilots license on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram at the TV pilots license, or it, excuse me, it is at TV pilots license. If you have a question about the show for our next episode, you can email us at TV pilots license at gmail.com or give us a call at 213-290-1713. Make sure to watch out for our Instagram for a sneak peek of our next episode. Uh, We love to give previews and we look for questions there. And with the plane landed, the seatbelt sign off, and the turkey just freshly carved out of the oven, we look forward to flying the bright skies of the TV world with you again soon. And until then, stay great, stay safe, and have a happy Thanksgiving. Bye. Gobble, gobble. (laughs) 